read. Psalm chapter number 34, verse number 12 says, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. If this weren't political season, I don't think this would fit very well. But hey, praise the Lord. Let's just keep on moving. Let's keep on moving. I'm going to get in trouble. Verse number 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. And look at this word and pursue it. Mm. The eyes of the Lord, and thank God that this is a true statement. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. And the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth, thank God, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all, out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they shall they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. Look at this verse. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. Glory to God, hallelujah. And none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this night to be able to come to the house of God. Lord, I pray that you would just touch our church. Lord, touch the various ministries that are going on right now. Lord, I pray that you'd touch in every part of the, 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 the buildings that are happening right now, all of the, the children's wings, the teenagers, Lord, those in Gap. God, I pray that you'd be with those that are here in the sanctuary. God, I pray that you just make much of yourself here during this time. Lord, we thank you for those that are serving around this campus tonight. God, we thank you for our pastor, God. And I, I beg you, God, to just touch him, Lord. I pray that you'd hide him behind the cross, Lord, as he preaches the word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd touch him and Lord, somebody be saved. But God, right now, I'm thankful that you can be there with him and you can be here with us. And Lord, I pray that you'd just touch us, Lord, during this time, during this hour. Lord, I pray that you'd touch me, God, hide me behind the cross. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin, God, I beg you that tonight will be the night they would put place their faith and trust in the finished work of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you just help us preach. Preach with power and preach with unction. God, preach with the authority of the Word of God, not of anything with me, but God, all filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So as we look through in this chapter, in our text, our chapter number 34, there's some wonderful truths that we look at. We see that there have been, uh, uh, David is, is happy. And I'll be, I'll be just honest with you, I'm happy to get up here uh, and praise the Lord. I, that's what I love to do more than anything else. Uh, the last few weeks we've been able to do that, just get up and praise God, to be able to make much of Him and make much of His name and make much of what He has done. Uh, because it is all about who He is and what He has done and what he has accomplished and thankful that we can have that. And then if we go through and, and I've always been told that if you just make much of Jesus, Brother Harper, then Jesus will take care of the rest. 
And I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that 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 is a true statement and that is an awesome experience. And I've had the experience of being able to see that. And we're here and we're able to open the verses of this chapter and to be able to see that David here once again is praising the Lord, praising God for His deliverance. We started out right there with praising God for His deliverance. Why? Because David was so excited and so happy and so beside himself that he was able to be delivered out of the hands of Abimelech, that he was able to come out and to be able to once again praise the Lord for how God had delivered him. It's not because David was smart. It's not because David had out, outwitted someone. It's not because David had done anything else. But it was God that delivered David out of the hands of the Philistines. And I'm so thankful that there's been times in my life that I have been able to try to go and say, what could I possibly do to get out of this? And usually, I usually get in trouble when I begin to say, what can I do to fix this problem? problem. Ladies, how many of you can say your husband's amen when he fixes things? It usually gets worse. Boy, you ladies are being nice to your husbands. Praise God. That's great. But hey, a lot of times my wife will tell me, you just go ahead and get out of the way and God will fix it. And boy, I have learned, Brother Kyle, that that is exactly what I need to do because God can take care of things a whole lot better than I can. I usually mess it all up. And David is praising God for that and for he's been released by Abimelech. And David is joyful and he's praising God and he's he's been delivered. And the words that are just simply extreme delight, he can hardly contain himself. He's rejoicing over... Over who? The Lord. And then 16 times in this chapter alone, that phrase is used. And we already talked about that. And we're thankful that, that we look through and there's 16 compound names that we begin to look through as, as you see that. You see Jehovah Elohim, the Eternal One. You see Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. You see Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Uh, Jehovah Jehovah, the Lord is present and so on and so forth. And 16 of those compound names, but yet 16 times in this Word of God. And I underlined it in chapter number number 34, that he has praised God. It's the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is the one and the only one that's worthy to be praised and so on and so forth. But we begin to look through in the very first part of chapter number 34. We simply saw this, that David was praising God. Look how he says, I will bless the Lord all times. At all times, praise the Lord shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall uh, make her boast in the Lord and and the humble shall hear, hear thereof and be glad. And I love verse number three and we'll get to it later. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. <laughs> I won't be honest with you. I love church and I get excited about church. But I also love something else. And I don't love it as much church because don't, don't get me there. But I do love baseball. Boy, I just felt the spirit just... This morning, I, hey, somebody said it. Glory to God. This morning, this morning, uh, I, I, I wore a tie. And they said it so grieved the Holy Spirit, they couldn't feel anything. Praise God. It was a New York Yankees tie. Hallelujah. Man, me and Brother Steve, we're going to get along just fine. Hallelujah. But, but, but I, I love that. But I've gone to baseball games and I enjoy going to baseball games. And how many have ever been to a baseball game? Now, all right. So how many of you have ever lost your, your, your voice at a baseball game? Sister Linda. 
I wouldn't have figured. See, and that's just it. As we get excited, we get so excited about things like that. And I'm not preaching against baseball. I love baseball. I enjoy it. I love, y'all can watch football if you want to. I don't understand it. I, I really don't get it. And we won't say anything about Tennessee or Alabama. I promise. We won't say a word about anything like that. Uh, but I did them both. I'm in trouble. But, but, I, but, but, but I get excited about all those sports, but... Why would we not be more excited about what God has done for us? Why would we not get more excited? Why would it not bother us more when somebody begins to deface the word of God? When somebody's taking the word, uh, the name of the Lord in vain? Why would it not get us more upset than even some of these sporting events? And we look at these sort of things. And I'm, I'm kind of going off subject. But, but boy, we need to magnify the Lord. We need to get so excited about the Lord and be able to tell somebody about the Lord. And let him let them know that, that the one that really truly matters. It's not worrying, We're not worried about what sports world is doing. And we don't worry about what... The political world is going and we don't worry about any of these other things that's happening in this world but if we make much of God when we make much of Jesus Christ when we make much of the Lord then everything else is going to fall right into place and one day we get to be there glory to God and praise him face to face and David is saying I'm dedicated to this I'm making sure that I'm praising the Lord and, and he's delivered me out of this and I'm declaring that God is good amen and I can say that truly is a testament to me as well, that God is good. Better to me than I deserve. Better to me than, better than any of us, better to any of us than we, any of us deserve. But as we study through this chapter and the great truths, we begin to look through some things. And, and I told you several weeks ago that there, there are a few things here and there that I'd love to point out to you. And there, there's three calls and there's three responses and there's three deliverances and there's three invitations and there's three commands. And then there's three experiences that really truly you find here in chapter number 34. And we've gone through those three calls. We were able to see the call of the sinner and we were able to see the call of the, the, the son. We were able to see the call of the one that's searching and thank God that God didn't deny any of them. God didn't step aside and say, uh, I don't want to hear about what you've got going on. There was a response, glory to God, to every one of the calls countless times throughout the word of God. When you read through it, and it was in, in my devotions this morning, countless times, and I cried to God and he heard my cry. Hallelujah. There's, there's been times where I've cried out to my, pa- my parents when I was younger and, and I've cried out to my sisters when I was younger and I, I've cried out to my wife and, and, and needed her to be able to come to my assistance. I've cried out to people and maybe they just didn't hear me. Maybe they didn't know what was going on. But glory to God, Brother Harper, every time I call to God, every time that I have cried out and said, God, I need you. Lord, I need you right here and right now. God, I need you to, to work a miracle in my life. I need you to step on and do something that nobody else can do. Every time he has stood up, Brother John, every time that he's come to my aid, every time that he has responded to me and he has delivered me out of every time, I'm so thankful. You say, Brother Shane, you may be living on a world that God just does every little thing and may be able to fix everything for you, but there's been times in my life, I'm not saying that God does it right when you think it needs to be done. I'm not saying that God does it right in the time and that you think it should be done, but I'm saying this, that 
that God, if He doesn't deliver you in the way that you think, He will deliver you by the grace of God and give you the grace of God that you can bear it, that you can go through, that you can purge through and push through. And I'm thankful that we have the opportunity that we have a Savior that we can call out to and He will come and deliver us one way or the other. We go through, and I, I remember this old hymn that we used to sing, or chorus that we used to sing many times. What a mighty God we serve. Boy, isn't it wonderful to know that we serve a mighty God. We serve a God that knows exactly what we're going through, knows exactly what's happening in our life. And, and we countless times that we go through there and we see that He is uh, those calls of not falling on deaf ears. He comes to us and comes to us and, and delivers us and strengthens the people of God. And, and as we saw those calls that we had, but then I want to end up real quickly on, on these three things. There's three commands that we haven't looked at. In chapter number 34. There are commands for every child of God that we should do them. There are also three invitations that God has given to each and every one of us. And I'm so thankful that those invitations have been extended by the grace and the mercy of God. But then there are also, there are three experiences that if you are a child of God, there is something that you have experienced, glory to God, that this world knows nothing of. There's something that you have experienced that there is no way that anybody that hasn't trusted Christ as their Savior will ever be able to try to understand understand what you're saying. You say, well, the peace of God that passeth all understanding. There are people all over this world that absolutely think that you are insane when you make that statement. But I can tell you this, that the peace of God has come in just in time, Brother Joe. Every time that I have needed it, the peace of God has come in and helped me. And I want you to look real quickly. Look in verse number 13 with me and we'll look through these three commands that God has given to every child of God. These are not easy commands. These are not, they're not something that we just need to want to jump out and say, boy, I can't wait to do that. But they are the commands of the Holy Spirit of God because it is in the inspired Word of God. Look at verse number 13. (laughs) Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Or those are some difficult verses for us to swallow. Those are some difficult verses for us to be able to look at and to be able to say, God, really? You really want me to do that? Well, I'll be completely honest with you. I believe with all of my heart, Brother Robert, that if most Christians, if Christians would just practice what God said in these two verses, boy, the world would be a lot better place. The church, I believe, would be a whole lot better place. And I'm not saying we have problems and it's, everything's going well. I'm just saying that, boy, if we just do these few things. Look at that word. It says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. That word keep actually means to, to guard. To set a guard on your tongue. You say, Brother Shane, is that really easy for me to do? Absolutely not. To be honest with you, I've actually heard that the average man speaks about 20,000 words a day. We won't talk about the women. Actually, it's not that bad, Brother Earl. I've only heard that it's only about 30 to 40,000. 
Not that much, a little more than double. But praise God, you better listen if you're married, hallelujah. Boy, I thought I'd get a little better laugh than that. But that was actually means that to, to keep from speaking evil actually means to, to keep from speaking falsehood. That means don't lie. As a matter of fact, during the early church, there was a lot of people that said they had a lot of problems with false teachers and they would teach false doctrine and they would go forward and they would, would do all of these things. And, and as a matter of fact, when the, when the Bible talks about the tongue, it doesn't have a whole lot of good things to say about the tongue. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter number 3, he actually kind of repeats this thought process in Psalm 34. He says in chapter number 3, verse number 10, he says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. Say, so, well, what is that meaning? Well, we better set a guard. Words have meanings. Once again, I've said this before, that little phrase when you're a kid that you hear, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. I'm telling you, people say things and it cuts to the bone. People use words and they say uh, these, these awful things about people and it'll cut to the bone. But the word of God is telling us, hey, keep your tongue from evil. Very first thing that he's telling us, the first command is keep your tongue and not let your uh, lips to be able to speak guile. Job actually said this, teach me and I will hold my tongue. How many of us have said that prayer? Teach me, Lord, and I will hold my tongue. I'll make sure that I, I don't speak the guile. James is the book that probably everyone knows the most about to be able to, to talk about the tongue. And, and verse number one, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but dece- he deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Oh my, this is difficult. You mean to tell me that, that somebody that, boy, he just he, he crosses the T's and dots the I's and he has everything just right. He's got his suit and his tie just right and his shoes are polished and he's got everything that looks just right and, and he's got it. Boy, he's got to have it together, but he doesn't keep his tongue. God's saying, your religion is vain. There's nothing to it. It's empty. You're just saying a bunch of words. Boy, that's a difficult truth to look at, but turn with me to James chapter number 3 if you can. James chapter number 3 is this where we anchor down for just a second. We won't be there long, but it says this in verse number 5. James chapter number 3, verse number 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire in the word of uh, the world of iniquity. And so it is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. Oh my. For every kind beast, or every kind of beast and bird and of serpent and the things of the sea are, are, are tame, is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. And I love verse number nine. Because uh, you have all these people that are saying, well, well I, I, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But verse number nine, I love how James says it. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith, therewith curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. That means you use the same mouth to curse men and praise God. 
what are you thinking? What, what is it that you're thinking? And he's, this command is, keep your tongue, keep you, make sure that, boy, my mom and dad, they told me, think about everything before you say it. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled with that. I struggled with that, didn't I, Mandy? Praise the Lord. Sometimes I, I said things and when I heard it, I thought, well, that don't even sound right myself now. You got to think about things before you say them. And, and that's what he's telling us, to, to keep your tongue, to, to bridle your tongue, to be able to make sure that you're, you're speaking no guile. Don't be falsehood. Don't be teaching anything that is ungodly. Don't be telling people uh, unfa- uh, untruths or uh, 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 ungodliness. But then verse number 14, we go on. And what's the third or second command? To depart from evil. Look at verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Not only do we have to keep our tongue, but we have to keep ourselves from evil. In the day in the world that we live in, I'm going to be honest with you, this is scary. We need parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever we can, to set a guard about even our children. If you knew the things that were at the very fingertips of our children now, you wonder why the world is in the condition that it's in. Make sure you search a phone every once in a while. Check a phone every once in a while. I, I, boy, I know we're, we're, we're shouting her out tonight. Hallelujah. Boy, these are things that we need to, to think about. Boy, to, to depart from evil. We, we, we have this compare and contrast that's happening in this verse, verse number 14. And, and he says, I want you to do this and don't do this. I, I want you to go here. We're commanded not only to do one thing, not do one thing, but we also to do another. We're supposed to depart from evil, but we're also supposed to do good. Continue on. Make sure that we're doing those things that God is telling us to do. Uh, Psalm chapter number 37, verse number 27, David kind of repeats himself. He says the same thing. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Make sure that we're looking at these things and, and we'll be able to dwell forevermore. But then also the third command, what do we do? We seek something. What are we seeking? Peace. What is this world looking for right now? Peace. What are countries that are in war right now? What are they trying to do? People just want peace. A lot of people are looking for peace in all the wrong places. They're looking for uh, all the wrong direction. They're looking for it in the bottle of, a, uh, of an alcohol bottle. And you're not going to find peace there. You're looking for it at the end of a needle. And you're not going to find peace there. You're looking for it at the end of an internet gateway. You're not going to find peace there. The only place that we're ever going to be able to find peace is in the Lord God Almighty. Jesus Christ is the one that will be able to give us peace. It tells us to strive, uh, to be able to seek peace. That word actually means to strive, to live in peace with all the world. The world tells us, to, the Bible tells us to do that. To, if at all possible, live peaceably with all mankind. We're not going out to look for a a, a fight. We're not going to pick a fight. We're not doing that. And then it also goes in to pursue it. Chase it down. Go after it. Follow after it. Make it an object of your desire that I want peace. We're told to actually pray for the peace of Jerusalem as well. 
Boy, those are things that we're told to to go after. We're told to to seek after peace. We're told to depart from evil. We're told to make sure that we keep our tongues. Boy, those are three commands. But look at there's three invitations as well. Going, going, Going as fast as we can. There's three invitations and there's three verses that we look at. Look with me in verse number three. Psalm chapter number 34, verse number three. Oh, magnify the Lord and look at the invitation with me. That means that worship and magnifying God is not a singular activity for a singular person. Worship is a thing that we should all get in on. And if you've ever got in on it, you want to get in on it again and again and again. Boy, the worship of God is something. And that's what David is saying. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Don't let me sit up here and be a spectator worshiper. Don't get up there and and say, boy, uh, Brother Shane or Brother Joe or Brother Tom or boy, the choir did a great job or those people playing the instruments. And they all do. They do a wonderful job. And we're so thankful for them. But we don't just sit there and say, uh, go ahead. Worship, let me watch you. Worship worship the Lord. Magnify the Lord for me and let me feel good. No, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to get in on it. We're supposed to raise our hand. We're supposed to shout hallelujah every once in a while. And hey, I know that there's ways with different people. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Brother Joe picks at Sister Heather all the time and Miss Julie all the time. If you see a tear run down my, my wife's face, that is whoop worship for her. And that's okay, as long as you're getting in on the worship. You're not just sitting there. I won't be honest with you. Can't, can't, oh. Can I confess something and y'all not get upset with me? Years and years and years ago, I'll be honest with you, I was sitting here or sitting at a church and sitting there and people were worshiping God. And they were having a good time and people were just enjoying themselves. Brother Steve, I'll just be honest with you. I was at a point where I just said, I just don't feel a thing. And I made that comment to my wife. She's sitting next to me and she said, well, then something's wrong with you. <laughs> Apparently your wife has never spoke to you like that. Well, something is wrong with you. And instead of me, first of all, my flesh said, then I thought better. (laughs) But then the Spirit of God said, you're right. It's not these people making something up. It's you, boy. Have you ever had God have one of those moments where he said, it's you, boy? Hmm. (laughs) That experience that night for me changed the course of a whole lot of things. Why? Because I realized that God was dealing with me to say, you, 
you, you need to work on you. You need to, it's not, it's not you. You need to work, work on your worship. And thank God I was able to go back to God. And you know what the greatest thing about it is? Is that when I came and I got out of this altar and I began to pray and I begged God to help me and begged God to, Lord, just renew me. Lord, renew that, that spirit of salvation and give me the joy of my salvation back and, and help me with that. And then, then God didn't say, no, Shane, it's been too long. Or no, Shane, I don't want you anymore. Or no, Shane, that's, that's just too late. Thank God when I went down to the altar, he opened his arms, glory to God, and welcomed me right in to be able to say, hey, I love you, boy, and I've always loved you, and I, I died for you, and I, I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth, and thank God I've had the opportunity to worship him so many more times, and he's not set me aside. Glory to God. It's a wonderful thing to be able to magnify God with the people of God. I don't know why I told you all, all that, other than the Lord just helped me. But thank God that He did help me. When you look at that word magnify, it actually means a, a telescope actually brings things closer to you. But a, a, a microscope actually makes things larger. And that's the word that He's saying that I want you to make much of Jesus. I, won't make, I want you to make Jesus so big in your life. Like that little girl that says, if God's so big and I'm so little, well, ain't He going to poke out a little bit on me? That's a wonderful illustration that I make much of God and I want to make big of God and show people that I'm magnifying Him and thank God that I could do that. But then also the other invitation Invitation is this in verse number eight. I love it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Mm. I can say amen to that. And, and I love this when I begin to study out that word. It's not just a, uh, you ever, you ever, you, you got something and you thought, man, that's really good. And I, I, it tastes really good. And, and I want somebody else to enjoy it. But you give them a little bitty sample size. Yeah. Yeah, you give them a little bit, a little bit. You don't want to give them the whole spoonful because you want to keep some for yourself. But that's not what David is saying. I don't want you to take a sample. I don't want to take a nibble. I don't want you to take just a little bitty bite. I want you to get in on the whole thing. Glory to God. I want you to get in on everything. I want you to, to taste, thank God. But see, look, there's an assurance that's connected with that. Not only does he say, I want you to taste, I want you to take the whole gum, I want you to take a, a big old belly full of it, I want you to taste it, try it out. But then when you do try it out, you're going to see something that's great. You're going to see something that's wonderful. You're going to see something that you've never seen before. You're going to see that God is good. That is a promise that, thank God, when we try it out, that God will never fail you. When you try God, He will never uh, fail and not be able to bring you out of what's going on. Uh, you just take in the whole thing. And I believe it with all my heart that we need to start showing people and telling people, oh, taste and see that the Lord, that He is good. Look on in verse number 8 with me. Blessed is the man, or happy is the man that trusteth in Him. I don't know about you, but I sure am happy. Since the day I trusted Jesus Christ, since the day that God has brought me into His wonderful family, I've been able to Taste and see that He is good. Peter also says it, Oh, taste that the Lord, that He is gracious. Boy, thankful that He has been gracious to me, that He's been merciful to me, and He has been good to me. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Then the invitation, the other is, look in verse number 11 with me. Come. But look who He's talking to. Oh, children. Verse number 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. Look at this. And I will teach you the fear of the Lord. 
I don't have time to go there this evening, but in Titus chapter number 2, he actually begins to say that I want the aged man to be able to start teaching the younger men. And I want the aged women to start teaching the younger women. And I want to teach them the things of God. And I want to teach them how they're supposed to work and be together in the family like Brother Joel and Miss Stephanie are doing. And, and how to teach them how to do these things. How to be a family and how to be a father and how to be a mother and, and how to be able to be a Christian and how to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and teach them. And that's the way that we're supposed to do. Boy, we need some people that are stand up and be able to say that I want to take one of these young people. And I know, I'll be honest with you, somebody said, Brother Shane, I thought you were a millennial, but you're one of the different kind of millennials. Bless God, I am not a millennial. I'm older than them. Hallelujah. And proud of it by a couple of years. Amen. But hey, maybe, I'm going to say this, I'm going to get in trouble. Instead of us saying, boy, those millennials... Why don't we just grab one of the millennials and say, hey, I need to teach you something about the Word of God. How about we tell them, hey, look, this is, I, I know that this is what you kind of think and this is the way that the world's going and you kind of think there ain't nothing wrong with that, but let me tell you what the Word of God has to say about this. Let's teach them. Come, oh you children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That's an invitation that God has given. And I'm so thankful that the day that I got saved, I was given an invitation. And He has, has gloriously born again. I was born again into the family of God at that time. But thankful also that there were people that came alongside of me. Boy, pastor being one of them that has taught me and has brought me along his side. And, and be able to say, listen, this is what's going on. You say, Brother Shane, you get to travel and you go with Brother Joe. And what, what do you get to do? I enjoy that. Why? Because I get to... I get to pick his brain. I don't laugh that hard. But I do. I get to have a good time and be able to ask him. And I learn from him. I've learned from people all over this sanctuary right now. I've, I've had lunches with you. I've gone in your homes. I've been spent time with you guys and just enjoyed getting to know you. And what you have taught me. And I need to teach others as well. Come. And we'll teach the fear. But thank God. And in five minutes... Five minutes, we'll be able to get through the experiences. How do you believe that? Not one hand went up. Man. There's three experiences that we see in Psalm chapter number 34. Look with me. Look at the verse 1. Verse number 18, we read it earlier. The Lord (laughs) is nigh. (laughs) Hallelujah. Boy, have you ever had God cuddle you up? Up Hallelujah. He cuddled me up so many times. Boy, I've just been in His presence, spending time with Him. He says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Boy, David is good. He's saying, I, I, it's good that I've been delivered. It's, it's good that God's brought me out and He's protected me. But even better, look at this. The Lord is nigh to me. It's better to, to be nigh, be close to God. Enjoy some time with Him. Draw near to Him. Draw near. There's been times in my life that God has truly done that for me. Just draw me near to Him and spend time and just enjoy the glory of God. But then in verse number 20, there's one more experience that we have. Look at this one. And this is one that's kind of, you may say, it's kind of odd. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. What is one of the experiences? To be nigh to God. What is another one? That God keeps me. That word is really interesting. Brother Mike, it says, 
to take great care of. Now, there's been many times where you've taken a a plant and you've not watered it. You didn't set it in the sun. There are things that didn't go right and that, that plant didn't last long. You didn't take care of it. This word picture here is that he's tending to us. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we have a God of this universe that cares so much for every one of us? First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 7, casting all your cares upon him. Why? Because he careth for you. Wasn't it wonderful to know that God cares for us and prays and, and, and keeps us? And, 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 and I know that I was in that same condition at one time and I was, I was broken and I was sorrowful. And I thank God that Jesus Christ stepped in and said, Shane, I care for you. Boy, it was wonderful to have a caring, loving Savior. But then verse number 30, chapter number 34, verse number 22. Y'all knew I had to get to this one. The Lord, and once again, capital L-O-R-D. The Lord redeemeth the soul of His servants. The redeem actually means to, to sever or to release. That means to, to rescue. Aren't you glad that He's rescued you? Boy, when you were in the miry clay of sin, He brought you up out of that. Boy, I don't know all all your stories, but I know some of you have told me about how you were out in sin and and God has rescued you from that. And then a lot of people have a testimony like mine where I was born again and I was trusted Christ as my Savior as a six-year-old little boy. And, And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I've struggled that, boy, they have such a great testimony. God brought them up out of these things and God delivered them from all these things and God helped them that they don't have to deal with all these things anymore. And, and, and God, I was just young and, and, and I didn't... And God said, boy, I delivered you from everything I delivered them from. Instead of you getting into it, though, I kept you from getting into it. Then all of a sudden, glory to God... God's redemption for me is the same as for somebody else. The vilest of sinners, the same one that uh, just an innocent little child trusts Christ as their Savior. The redemption, the blood, it took the same blood for them as it does for the vilest of sinners. Boy, the redemption is so wonderful. The redemption that, that, that I'd experience, and I'll be honest with you, that's an experience that you won't get over. I'll be honest with you, if you're over it, You might want to check it out. Because if you get over what God has done for you, that He has redeemed you, boy, there's some difficult things that we have to go through. And He's saying that, verse number 22, redeemeth the soul of them as servants, and none of them that trust in Him shall be desolate. Now that word desolate, doesn't really mean the same thing to us as it does during this, to when they wrote this text. It means to say, they'll never be guilty. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? How many of you say, boy, I, I'm guilty of a lot of things. But when God, when Jesus Christ redeemed you, He looks at us and He says, I that old songwriter, what sins... What are you talking about? I don't know. Because there, as pastor has preached so well, 
They're gone. They're not covered. They're not cast away. They're gone. God says, I have redeemed you. Therefore, you are not guilty. Boy, that right there ought to make you rejoice in just knowing that God has done such a great thing for you as that. Boy, what sins are you talking about? Thankful that God has redeemed each and every one of those that have trusted in Him. Thank God for that. Boy, there's three invitations, but boy, there's, there's three experiences that all of us need to experience. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to do. Let's all stand together. Heavenly Father.